Well, hey there, Mama, and welcome back to the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast, episode 102. I'm Emily McDermott, and I'm here beside you on this journey as we work together to declutter your home, head, and heart. We have been focusing in some recent episodes about mental clutter, specifically in episode 99, Master Mental Clutter in Four Steps. And one of the things I have been trying to declutter is my people-pleasing and people-pleasing tendencies. And that's why I'm so excited to bring you today's conversation with Mickey Gardner. Mickey is a certified life and conscious parenting coach and also the host of the Co-Parenting with Confidence podcast. And she is a mom to her 13-year-old son. And after learning how to navigate life post-divorce and using it as a catalyst to her own transformation, Mickey now helps moms move past the divorce drama to become calm, confident co-parents, even without their ex's participation. And she's on a mission to help women navigate the emotional and practical difficulties of divorce and co-parenting while creating an intentional joy and ease-filled life after divorce. And Mickey and I have a fantastic conversation, especially if you have people-pleasing tendencies. I know you're going to love it. And she goes through three steps. She calls them her three A's in order to declutter those tendencies. I also love her definition of responsibility. So make sure you listen out for that. And without further ado, here is the conversation with Mickey Gardner. So go ahead and grab the notebook and pen and let's dive in. Hey there, mama. Are you tired of all the stuff crowding your home calendar and mind? Do you wish you could say goodbye to the endless to-do list running around in your head? Want to declutter but don't know where to start? You're in the right place. Welcome to Mom's Overcoming Overwhelm, where you will find proven and practical solutions to declutter your home, head, and heart. Hi, I'm Emily, a wife, boy mom, and simplicity seeker. I struggled to get pregnant and felt overwhelmed until I discovered decluttering could create the physical and emotional space I needed to become a mom. Now two kids later, I've transformed my life and motherhood by developing simple systems around decluttering, capsule wardrobes, kid stuff, cleaning and tidying, meal planning, time management, and more, and I can't wait to share them with you. If you're ready to reclaim the time and energy you crave, be present with your kids, and finally enjoy the life and motherhood you so deserve, let's kick overwhelm to the curb, shall we? Grab your lukewarm coffee, your notebook and pen, and clear off some counter space. Let's do this. Well, hey, Mickey, thank you so much for coming on the Moms Overcoming Overwhelm podcast. I am really excited to talk to you today. Oh, I am too, Emily. Thank you so much. I love uh, what you talk about and this topic, so I'm excited to be here. Well, same. I can't wait to dive into this because I feel like this will be a nice um, coaching session for me, (laughs) probably. (laughs) Um, But before we dive into all things people pleasing and mental clutter and all the things, I would love it if you could introduce yourself, tell us a little about you and your family, the parents that you serve, and if you ever have any free time moments, what you like to do in that free time. I love that. I, um, Okay. So I, my name is Mickey Gardner. I am, I have one son. He is 13. I am divorced. I have been divorced. uh, Well, we separated when he was three. So it's been about 10 years now and I never intended to get divorced. I don't think anyone does. Uh, I had checked every box, like every good perfectionist. I did all the things to guarantee a happy life. And unfortunately, in what felt like an instant, 
it all came crashing down. And I found myself really having to reconcile what I thought my life was and what it actually was. And it was a very difficult journey um, to, we tried, you know, to make it work, to stay together and ultimately decided that it was our best, uh, the best choice of action was to divorce. And um, I'm grateful that we did it. You know, looking back, it's, it's hard on the children mostly. And for that, I always have a lot of you know, there's guilt and and I try to have a lot of compassion for my son, what he's going through. And I think the work that I do now is really for those kids that are just innocent bystanders in adult situations. And, you know, we don't mean it and it just happens. But I, I like to be honest about that part of it because I am a proponent of marriage. I am a proponent of keeping families together. And I am a proponent of learning how to co-parent in a way when it best serves your children. And so like, I always tell my son when he asked, which is still all the time, (laughs) you know, your dad and I are just better parents separate than we were together and you're the priority. And so that's a very long winded way of saying who I am I, but I am now a certified life and conscious parenting coach because I really had to learn the hard way And through sort of the mistakes and taking the hard knocks of what not to do so that I learned how to become a more calm and confident parent and co-parent. And now I really have dedicated the work that I do to help women learn how to do that for themselves post-divorce, because I think it is our job as moms to be the healthiest, strongest versions of ourselves for our children. And I'm a firm believer, especially with what's going on in the world, we women are the ones that are going to change it. And it's our job to step up and we change it by changing our homes, by changing our inner environment, our insides. And when we change, everything changes. And so that's what I'm super passionate about. I'm a life coach. Like I said, I work one-to-one with clients. I have a co-parenting with confidence podcast, which I love. I'm about to be an author, which I'm so excited about. And I'm a mom uh, to a 13-year-old boy and a four-legged chocolate lab, Carl, who you may hear snoring at times (laughs) under my desk. (laughs) And when you're not writing books and taking care of your child and your dog and life coaching, is there anything you like to do just for you? So just for me, yeah. Well, I am I you you asked me this question and said free time, and I thought, <laughs> do I have free time? And I don't know that I do because I intentionally build in time in my day for the things that I love. Love that. And so I start out every day with meditation. I walk every day, even if it's you know, some days it's 20 minutes, some days it's an hour and a half. Carl doesn't like those days. He's a little bit lazy. Sorry, Carl. You know, but I I love yoga. So I do a lot of yoga. So, but I, I don't consider it like when you ask that, I'm like, I don't consider it free time. It's things that I do build into my life. Tonight, my parents are coming over for dinner. I'm super blessed to have my parents nearby. So, you know, at least once or twice a week, I cook for family and friends, which I used to be an event planner and caterer. So 
that's like my past life. So I love food and cooking and having people at my table. So that's probably one of the Mm. things that I love in my quote unquote free time. Yeah. I love that. I really love that perspective because a lot of times when we're going to be talking about mental clutter, which can, you know, come up as negative thoughts or kind of these should statements that we have. And a lot of times we think this victim mentality or kind of having this martyr mentality in our motherhood Mm -hmm. and saying like, well, I never have any free time. I never have any time to myself. And Mm -hmm. um, I know that having that more intentional approach to like we were talking about when I was on your podcast, the non-negotiables and kind of starting with those can kind of change our our perspective. And I would love if you could take us to a time and maybe this was during the time of your separation and divorce, maybe it was yesterday or today, but a time that you felt really overwhelmed in your Mm -hmm. motherhood and just kind of what that looked like for you. And what was the catalyst that made you realize that you needed to change something that things weren't Mm -hmm. working, whether it be for you or your son and what did you do? Oh, I sort of debate on how honest to be on this one. And I guess honesty is the policy here, right? Yes. yes. Um, I think the most, I'm just getting into the teenagers. So let's be honest. I don't know what I don't know yet. So as of today, <laughs> I'm going to go back to that time when I had just gotten divorced. And I think this is something that I see with so many of my clients is I made this big decision. We have gone through the divorce process. We're now separate. Why do I still feel like, you know what? And I would say it was probably the year after my divorce when I felt most overwhelmed, most anxious. I was a ball of anxiety. And what I now know is that I was just suffocating and people pleasing because I was trying to keep everyone else's feelings and emotions and their thoughts and everybody happy and sort of okay at the expense of myself. And I was really drowning in, I think what you talk about, which is clutter. You know, my house looked clean all the time, right? But things were disheveled. There was no organization to things. I was running, I was very, very frantic. And now looking back, you know, I, um, I have this horrible habit of moving. <laughs> like when I, when something happens, I'm like, let's just move, you know, like, it'll be great. I just moved by the way, four months ago. <laughs> so I'm now starting to see my own pattern here, but I moved, um, I'm on my 21st move in my life. So I moved a lot as a child and it was always, I think it, it, it learned, I learned how to keep things looking good on the outside but the closets are like full of all the stuff of the boxes. And I felt like that's how I was feeling when I was overwhelmed after my divorce. I was trying so hard to keep everything look okay and convince everyone that I was okay and I wasn't suffering from this, but I was full of clutter and overwhelm and anxiety. And so it was really coming out in, if I'm being completely honest, not being present with my son, Uh, being very short tempered, um, spending too much time partying, you know, just making decisions that weren't moving me forward. They were really just creating more mess to clean up. And that to me is one of the things that people pleasing does is that we're so busy valuing what other people want and think, 
versus what is actually right and true for ourselves that we end up making more mess in our life to clean up later by the decisions that we're making that aren't aligned for us. And so I think that's what that time really looked like for me. And I opened the book with a story about my son who at the height of my people pleasing and anxiety, you know, he was struggling and it's hard to watch your children struggle because of your decisions and your mistakes and uh, you know, all of those things. And we ended up at the natural path. Nat- I can't say that natural doctor, whatever. Yes. <laughs> While I was trying to fix him, right. He wasn't happy. He was struggling with eating. He, you know, well, not with eating, but like just wasn't himself and he had tummy problems and right. He was anxious. He had all of the same things I was feeling, but I just wanted to fix it. And he, when the doctor left to go start whatever test she was going to start, he looked at me and he said, mama, why are we here? And my ex-husband was sitting there and I said, I gave him the whole spiel, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it great and we're going to get everything done and blah, blah, blah. And he looked me in the eye and he goes, but I don't think I'm broken. Oh, wow. And I realized, oh my gosh. In my brokenness, I am reflecting that on him. And I think looking back, that was probably the catalyst for when I started to really say, okay, something's got to give here because he was the one voicing it to me, if that makes sense. So that was really like the catalyst. I think, again, hindsight being 2020. Uh, where I started to at least start to be honest with myself. And then that is a whole journey after that. So, Well, thank you for sharing that. And I've had times in my motherhood where I realized, like you said, you kind of have the mirror turned back to yourself Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, "Oh, okay. And it does not feel good. does not feel good. But yet it is oftentimes the thing that takes us past what we were just doing out of survival and then be able to move towards something um, better. And I was recently, I told you I was recently in Iceland and we went to the place called Geyser, which is what geysers are named for. And at the beginning, there's all these people standing around. They're like, what are you looking at? And it just is kind of calm. And then you kind of have the bubbling, Mm -hmm. bubbling and the bubbling. And then all of a sudden, explosion. Yeah. And I feel like when we're having these chronic cycles of people pleasing, we want it to appear like the surface Mm -hmm. is calm. Mm -hmm. But what happens is that it starts bubbling and bubbling and bubbling. And then at some point that pressure has to be, you know, released. And I would love if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about, you know, people pleasing and people pleasing tendencies and how it's affecting how we're showing up as moms kind of as a way that it's impacting like our mental clutter and the, again, the unrealistic expectations we put on ourselves as moms or the should statements that are constantly in our brains, just kind of like what that looks like and the steps we can take to start dismantling or in my favorite words, decluttering, you know, mm-hmm. are people pleasing tendencies so that isn't um, negatively impacting us anymore and yeah. our kids, I guess, because it impacts them too. 
Yeah. So I have a three-step framework that I, that I work with all my clients on and that I talk a lot about on my podcast. But before I jump into that, you know, I think it's like, what is people pleasing? Because a lot of us are like, well, we're not, I'm not really a people pleaser, am I? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I think there's a couple questions that we can start to ask ourselves, you know, of if we are, if we do sort of, and it's not a, a type of person you are, it's a tendency. So it is a coping strategy, people pleasing is, that we learn as children to handle a chaotic environment. We learn how to cope with all of the chaos that's going on outside of us by trying to be pleasing, to trying to be accountable, um, really accommodating, uh, the good girl, right? I We won't even get into the laundry list of things in culture and society and religion that just tells us be a good girl, be accommodating, don't have needs, you know, all of these things. And it's literally so pervasive in our in, in our world of what we live with that is suggesting that we should just please others. And what that says is that you don't matter, that you are not of value. And that is the exact opposite of what is true in the world, which is you do matter. You are valuable, right? You are fully worthy and enough exactly as you are. But when we buy into these people pleasing lies, it really is trying to control everyone else. For because we don't have the ability to handle our own feelings and emotions, right? It's like, it's like the smoke and mirrors, like, don't look over here, right? Don't look at what's happening in my closet. Just look over here, like you said, on the surface. And so um, some ways that you maybe realize you might have some of these tendencies are, are you really quick to agree just to avoid a conflict, right? Or any confrontation? Do you often feel really responsible for how other people feel? Do you apologize a lot? I'm trying to stop apologizing. It's like the hardest thing. I actually apologized for not for apologizing and then like not apologizing the other day. The woman was staring at me like I had lost my bloody mind. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. No, I'm sorry that I'm not sorry, but I am. I'm not sorry. She's like, oh, my God. Like, So that's that's mine of choice right now. Do we do things that you don't want to right? just because you don't want to disappoint the other person? Um, do you accept faults when you're not to blame co-parents out there? Um, do we find it hard to say no? Right. That's a big one. Are we extremely upset or uncomfortable when someone is upset with us? Right. And we'll do anything to get them to not be upset with us. Do we go to great lengths to avoid conflict? Do we push our needs aside for others? And this is a big one. Do we give hoping that the other person will reciprocate the love and affection that we're asking for. And then do you find yourself frustrated or resentful often? Nodding my head, checking uh-huh. every box. Right. <laughs> we do. We do. Because <laughs> it's, it's really, a, it's more of a tendency again, and a coping strategy that we've learned versus like who you are as a person. And so mm-hmm. For people pleasing, what we want to learn to do is to start to step out of that, right? So that we are not just trying to keep the peace, but actually creating our own peace, right? And so we want to learn how to stop being the peacekeeper and start actually creating peace, whether or not other people reciprocate that, right? And it's really, I believe, getting out of the reaction 
a lot of us, what we're seeing in the world right now is just really reactive people getting triggered and not being able to regulate their emotions and learning how to take 100% responsibility over your, in co-parenting, 50%, right? And I define responsibility as the ability to respond, right? And so it's really deciding how much response do I want to have in any given situation? And learning how to do that and learning how to not value what other people think more than you value what you think. And so those are some of the ways that people pleasing shows up. But how do we start to get there? Well, that's where, again, I have these sort of three A's. You have the three C's, which I love, you know, like we try to make it as simple as possible. I have a three-step framework that really helps us turn chaos into calm. And it is awareness, agency, and aligned action. So um, I can kind of walk through each of those if you yeah, want. But yeah, that'd be great. So awareness is where everything starts, right? We have to be aware of something before we can change it. And so oftentimes what this will look like is just understanding, like at the beginning, just understanding when we're getting triggered, when we are activated, right? Because so one thing I see so often is, you know, this idea that, well, I can't not respond, or I had to, I had to respond because he sent me this, or, you know, you get a text, you send a text asking for something very benign, and the other person comes back with a full frontal assault on you, on your character, right? And then you're like, I, I have to defend myself, right? I can't let them get away with that. So then you defend, and then the next attack comes and then defend, right? And you're just in this cycle of nasty grams that just doesn't stop. So as soon as you realize that you have gotten into the nasty gram cycle, as soon as you realize you're triggered, as soon as you realize that you're flooded with emotion, that's your moment of awareness. And so what we want to do is hit the pause button and just pause and take three deep breaths in and out, right? You breathe in through your nose, out through your nose three times until you feel yourself kind of calm just a little bit. The reason that we have to do this is that our brain can only go. So we have basically two brains. We have the one that's our primitive brain that's attached to our nervous system. And that's in, responsible for fight or flight or all the things that's just reacting, right? That's the unconscious. It happens before we even know it right? That's why we get triggered. It's like, how did that happen? Well, it just happened, right? Because of all the things happening for you. And I won't get into any of that. But then we also have this really wise part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, that is the part that helps us make decisions, like all the things you talk about. But we, the blood doesn't go both directions. Only one can work at one at each time. So if we are in a very heightened emotional state, we have to calm our nervous system down so that we can kick our other brain online so that it can start to do what we need it to do. So that is the really the awareness piece is learning how to calm your nervous system so that you can step into the thinking brain. And this is the part that I think we don't teach our children often enough. We don't we didn't get taught, you know, like in school, but really understanding that we have the capacity to manage our own nervous system so that we can experience a situation differently. So that's really awareness. Um, the second of the three A's is agency, which is simply a fancy word for choice. And I know that we all feel like we have no choices, right? I have no choice. I just have to do this. That's a lie. 
there is always a choice. And the beautiful thing is that the universe made it super simple because there's only three. So we can accept something, we can change it, or we can leave it. Accepting means can I accept the situation exactly as it is and move on without anger or resentment? If you can, fantastic. Like accept and off you go, right? No problem. Then there's change. Now, this isn't changing other people or changing a situation, but can I change something that would shift the situation? And then do I want to? Because sometimes you can, but you don't want to. And that's okay, right? You get those choices. So that's really changing. And then leave is figuratively, literally, or energetically, right? And this is one that I see often because you don't want to leave your Like as it relates to, especially in divorce, you are parenting with like the person that you least want to be around, right? The marriage or relationship ended probably not because of really awesome things. And you're, you're thrown exactly right into co-parenting, right? During this emotional time, after the emotional time. And so oftentimes we can't leave because If you can, you don't want to, right? You want to be there for your children. So you're choosing to co-parent. But that doesn't mean that you have to be a doormat or, you know, the, the whipping post for that person. And that's what I mean by leaving either figuratively or energetically. So like that text extreme, the text example that I gave in that one, You don't want to accept that it's coming. You can't change it because you can't change the person from sending it. But you absolutely can leave that conversation with strength and with boundaries. And so that's sort of what leaving would look like. And then the third A is once we have our choices laid out and we're more aware, well, now we can start to take aligned action, which is learning how to really take the actions from awareness, from purpose, and from intention that move us in the direction we want to go. Versus just reacting to everything that's happening. That is so helpful. And I think it can be applied in so many ways. I think when we talk about the concept of overwhelm and just that feeling, you don't feel like you have awareness or agency or that you can even make that aligned action because you are in that primitive brain of just feeling like that overwhelm. And so, and when you were going through those examples, I know you're perspective is very much on the co-parenting side. Mine Mm -hmm. is in the, I have a very strong-willed five-year-old who Mm, will often like, you know, asking for milk and you pour the milk and he'll say, I didn't ask for milk. And my brain is like, like telling the truth. Like I am a woman of integrity, like, you know, all of these things and the people pleasing. And so Mm -hmm. then I'm wanting to argue with my five-year-old that Mm -hmm. no, indeed you did ask for milk (laughs) and I've learned that doesn't get me anywhere. So I like that idea of especially the energetically deciding to leave because sometimes I try to physically leave and my sweet son follows me. Oh, yeah. Day. So it's more of the like energetically, I'm not going to engage. Or as we like to say in our house, my husband and I, we don't want to poke the bear. <laughs> right. So just being able to have that agency and be able to have, like you said, taking that responsibility, because in, I would think in a people pleasing cycle, you feel like you're just at the 
the whim of what's going on around you. You know, like it's just, okay, I'm helping others and whatever they need is what I'm going to do. And so I don't have any say in the matter. So I'm just going to do whatever is going to cause this to end now, instead of thinking like, no, I'm choosing not Mm -hmm. to engage in this situation with my son. So like I said, I told you, you were going to be taking me to a coaching session. (laughs) No. And you know what? I, mine's 13. He still follows me to like, Mm -hmm. I just cannot stop with the mouth. And, you know, we, we get the children we have for a reason. I I remind myself of that over and over. (laughs) Like he's my, he's my learning opportunity. This is why he's here. (laughs) So, but it is important to understand that we do have the capacity right? Again, we can't change other people or the situation, but we are absolutely in control of how we experience it. Mm -hmm. And so when people pleasing, when we under start to understand what it really is, is our inability to feel our own emotions Mm -hmm. and not get hooked in, right? The reason we're trying to control all these people and please and do all of it is because we don't think that we can handle the emotions that we might experience. So it really is almost like just a lack of self-trust, likely because you have been told, and not you in Mm -hmm. particular, Emily, but like many of us, you know, be seen and not heard, Mm -hmm. you know, just go along, just be helpful, do all these things. And so we've gotten all this messaging without really understanding that we do have all of the answers inside of us when we're able to be more calm and clear. And Mm -hmm. so it's really important for us to start to understand where do we people please? And there are times, listen, people pleasers are amazing. Like we're the best, right? Because people like us, we get all the things done. We're super, we are high achievers. We do all the, like there is a, there's a great part of it. And I don't want to suggest that it's all bad, Mm -hmm. right? But we have to understand the shadow side of it. which is when we're doing it at our own expense. And when we're afraid of what negative feelings might come, so we're just trying to like do anything we can to get around it. My offer for you is maybe you just stop and become aware of what's actually happening so you can choose what you want to do with that. Because I think that story that I told before, you know, it was my inability to slow down and just be honest with myself about what was going on that was creating more and more and more chaos and mess versus just learning to sort of step back and say, what actually is happening here? And then choosing from that point, I can't change everything, but can I start to prioritize? Can I start to simplify? Can I start to live a life with more intention so I can control at least part of of what's happening, right? The part that I have control over me I learned to start there. That is incredibly helpful. Miss the boat, right? On mm-hmm. how much power we actually have. Yeah, that is so helpful. And I am learning a ton. <laughs> so I want when we're wrapping up here to tell us the name of your book and where mm-hmm. we can get said book. And then also the best way for uh, the listeners to connect with you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, so it's called The Guide to Co-Parenting Well. 
how to stop playing peacekeeper and start parenting peacefully. There's a lot of peas in that. I've, I've had to do a lot of work on, <laughs> on saying that. It is coming out December 5th. So I think by the time this airs, it will already have launched, but this is amazing. But if you go to my website, which is just my name, Mickey Gardner with two Ks and an I, two I's too, I guess, M-I-K-K-I Gardner, <laughs> There is a book page and I created a free downloadable workbook that is going to accompany it. So if you buy the book, then you just have to go over and you get the free workbook, which I think is going to be great to actually help you implement what what we're learning Mm -hmm. like immediately. So you can really start to feel change right away. And then there's going to be a lot of other book things happening. Um, I also have a podcast, which is Co-Parenting with Confidence. Um, where I talk about all of these issues and how how to really become the creator of your own piece mm-hmm. instead of just trying to keep everyone else's. Um, yeah, and so those are the and the Instagram. Those are the kind of the places that I hang out. And but I would love for everyone to get the book and read it and let me know what they think about it. Yes. Well, I will link to all that in the show notes. And thank Mickey, you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. I definitely learned a lot. You really blessed my listeners. So I just really appreciate your time. Well, Emily, I really appreciate what you're doing in the world and the value you're adding. So thank you so much. And thank you for this opportunity. If you liked today's podcast, here's what you can do. Just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I know you're a busy mama. You're overwhelmed, in fact, but 30 seconds of your day makes such an impact. I'll be blessed by your words. They'll definitely make my day. And who knows, you might be entered for this month's giveaway. An Apple podcast, scroll down to write a review. Thanks so much for your time. I'm so grateful for you.